As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. He's going to throw it. Howard leaps. He has it. Touchdown, Carolina. Back from the dead to tie the game with two seconds to go. Snap back, spot down. The kick is cleanly away. It is good. And it's Warner with a 54-yard field goal. And how about them Tar Heels? They do it. Here's Kupak, gives off to Amos, and he's good, he's good, he's good, he's good, he's good, unbelievable, Jordan back to kick, it's blocked again, picked up, it'll be a touchdown, Carolina for Bracey Walker, he blocks his second punt, and scores his second touchdown of the season, it's 14-13, Mr. Jordan meet Mr. Walker. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast on Spreaker.com. All right. Hey, guys, and welcome into this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. As we take a look at the Tar Heels' first opponent this season as they travel out west to Berkeley, California to get ready to take on the Cal Bears. I welcome in my co-host for today, Zach Hubbard. How's it going, sir? Pretty good. Glad to hear from you. Yeah, man. Uh, so, yeah, we're uh, we're getting fired up, of course, just like every other Tar Heel fan. And uh, a big game to start off the season once again, uh, yeah, a Power 5 opponent, this time on the road. Last year, of course, we faced Cal in our place. They pulled out the 31-26 to victory over the Tar Heels. This year, you know, we're hoping for a little bit of a different result, especially because last year, you know, it really felt that we played that, it, it felt like we played them pretty well. But unfortunately, in the end, they end up with a comeback victory as the team really just kind of, the, the defense late in the game let up some big plays and it really allowed them to close out the game well. Um, you know, heading in, I, I guess the first question that we got to ask is how confident are you in this Tar Heel team heading in, especially, of course, with, all, with, with the suspensions and the injuries that we have on our own front? Well, I can definitely say that I'm confident in this Tar Heel team to come out strong, to come out focused, to come out energized. I mean, when you look at North Carolina as a whole, and North Carolina recently, they've struggled in um, they've struggled in opening games, specifically against Power Five opponents. Um, so the norm is certainly to believe that they will struggle in this game. But if you look at the Cal team that they played last year and the Cal game last year as well, you can see a team that was doing well through those first three quarters. It was really just a couple plays that went one way or the other, a couple what they'd call catastrophic plays, which are gains mm -hmm. of over either 35 or 50 yards, but huge plays that radically shifted the game in Cal's favor. And so I, I think it's a bit overstated how, how far apart these teams are. I think these teams are very close together. 
I think there are some factors, though, that make it a little bit hard to predict. Number one being the time differential and the, the geographic distance. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, there's, it's going to be played, I believe, at 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, 4 o'clock Chapel Hill Time, right. which would be one over there. Um, so there, there is going to be some jet lag and things like that. In terms of the suspensions, I mean, you go through and you look at these suspensions, the real kicker here in terms of the suspensions is depth. I mean, most of these guys that you see that are out due to the uh, out to the shoegate scandal, as they're calling it, are either second or third team. A few guys that would have been key contributors um, like Bo Corrales and uh, Chaz Surratt. But right. the main thing that you have to look at for this game is injuries. And the two biggest injuries that I think have an impact on this Cal game are uh, Michael Carter that has the uh, the wrist injury. He'll right. most likely miss this game. And then uh, defensive tackle Aaron Crawford that will mm-hmm. most likely also miss this game. I think those are the two biggest pieces that will be missing for this North Carolina team going out there to California. But then you also look, this is a team, if, if you look at how the suspensions are paced out, um, the two biggest ones that will affect the team throughout the season are Tamon Fox and Malik Carney. Mm-hmm. And the way that they kind of staggered those suspensions out, you're going to have both Tamon Fox and Malik Carney specifically for this game. So you can tell... You know, in the past, people have said, well, we, we don't know how Larry Fedora treats his opening game. We feel like he kind of treats it as a trial run for his team. You can see by things that they're doing here, specifically by having Tamon Fox and Malik Carney ready for this game. They are circling this game on the calendar. They, more than perhaps in the past years, are seeing this Power 5 opener is important not only just, you know, to get a win uh, this year, to get a win in your 12-game schedule, but just to build a resume, to build confidence going into the season. And I think that's a big thing coming off the 3-9 and season last year that North Carolina needs is is some confidence. Yeah, oh, I, I totally agree with that, especially, you know, they, they said tonight, uh, Coach Rador did on his radio show, you know, this team, it's really the first time he said that he's seen these guys come in this pumped up for a season, this ready to go, coming in to even training camp. So, you know, getting a win, showing these guys that, hey, you put in this work for a reason, that would be huge. You know, I want to focus really on the injuries first. You mentioned both of them, Michael Carter with the wrist injury. He will not travel with the team. We know that for sure. Um, I had actually talked to Anthony Ratliff-Williams when I went out to the Charlotte kickoff game, and he told me that, yeah, he, he won't travel with the team, but he seemed confident that he will be back maybe sooner rather than later. And I think from what I've read, at this point, it seems like there's a chance that he might miss this week's game and then he may travel with the team to ECU and might be a game-time decision. I think at this point, I'm not really overly concerned there. And if I'm Larry, I'm not rushing Michael Carter back at all because I feel confident in what we have at the running back position. Really like Jordan Brown. Antonio Williams has had a fantastic fall camp and really seems to be jumping in quickly and learning what he has to do uh, on the fly. And then Javante Williams, who was there in the fall as a true freshman, really just a guy that's a workhorse, been that his entire career when he played in high school at Wallace Road 
Rose Hill in state, this kid's going to come in and I think have an impact. So to me, I'm not really overly concerned about that injury. It really, you know, it, yeah, it, it kind of stings to lose Michael Carter because, you know, this is a guy that at one time was being compared before last season to Gio Bernard. And I think that there are some similarities there. I, I, I think, you know, outside of maybe his receiving ability, which I think Gio was a little bit better at catching the ball out of the backfield. I think the similarities are there and people are right. So it will be exciting when he comes back. The one that I think we've got to focus on, and I, I kind of want to know what you think of the guys that are going to try to help replace him is the Aaron Crawford injury. You know, it's a knee injury. At this point, they're saying that it's probably a three to four week injury. So the good news is that he avoided a season-ending injury. That's the thing that you got to take out of it if you're trying to look for a positive light. But, you know, missing potentially those first four games, which seems to be the important stretch of the schedule for the Tar Heels, it, it, that does hurt a little bit. Um, you know, he's their leader on that defensive line. He's pretty much grown into the leader almost of the entire defense in general. So I, I think that's where it's a little bit concerning but, you know, right now, I think what they're going to do, ultimately, they'll probably move Tyler Powell back to defensive tackle. He's probably going to combine with Jeremiah Clark, who I think people, you know, should have a certain bit of confidence with. He's a senior. He's been there before. I thought last year was his best year, so he's coming off of, you know, what what is perceived as a good year for him. And, you know, now I, I, the pressure's on on those two, I think, to step up as well as possibly Zach Gill. You know, you, you've seen the injury. I, I know you saw the news. What do you think, who are the guys that you think have to step up on that defensive line? Well, I think the defensive line just in general is going to be important for this team this year. I mean, we've heard ad nauseum for people that have, talked about this team and talked about how this team is practiced and how mm -hmm. this team is built. It's a team that the defense is built around this defensive line that is full of experienced veterans and skilled players. And I, I think, uh, as many people have said, Aaron Crawford could be the best player on this defensive line at that nose tackle position. I right. think he's very important, of course, to the defensive line of that position. He's the guy that is probably your main run blocker. He's the guy that's going to take up double teams in the middle so that certainly affects how you game plan now i do think that that loss is mitigated like i said by having malik carney and Tamon fox mm -hmm. so you can get that outside pass rush but there are going to need to be guys that step up there in the middle i mean you you really you need someone that can come in probably one or two guys and play significant snaps at that nose tackle position so it probably is going to be you know, Jeremiah Clark, like you said, you might see mm -hmm. a guy like Jalen Dalton kind of move over and play that a little bit. Right. With Jason Strovich being that more of a, a rush defensive tackle. And you're probably going to see Tyler Powell move over. So they're going to they're gonna move some guys around, and then they're going to have some guys, like you mentioned, some depth guys that are probably going to have to move around and play. You're going to have guys like Zach Gill that people are just waiting to kind of get that weight up and get that physicality and break out. You're going to have guys like, Alan Cater on the edge that are going to have to come in and play right. well. We'll see what blue chip recruits like Jake Lawler can do. We'll see if, you know, deaf guys like Nolan DeFranco can find a role. Right. I think there's going to be a lot of moving parts and a lot of moving bodies on this defensive line, and a lot's going to be asked of them, uh, especially now that Aaron Crawford is not going to be here for this game. Yeah, and, and one guy that I think a lot of people have to keep an eye on to 
possibly play in this game and how it works basically with this new redshirt rule. Larry kind of clarified it. I was under the belief that it was if the first four games of the year and then after that you could not play. They This is basically, it's very, very similar to the JV varsity thing in high school where guys will have up to four games that they can play. So they can play in four games. I think that's going to be huge because potentially one of the guys that could see action in this game and really up until Aaron Crawford ends up returning, and if he performs well, then he might be able to play the rest of the year. I think it's Jaleel Taylor, who is a true freshman out of the state of Georgia. You know, this is a guy that's kind of been gaining some momentum as camp's gone on. They've really liked what they've seen from him. Him and Zach Gill have been those guys that have been taking steps forward. So, you know, watch out for him. He has the body style um, to play inside. He's got that bigger build. So, potentially, they could put him at that spot. One thing that you mentioned that I think is very interesting, and I think we could see it as well, is Jalen Dalton on the field at the same time as Jason Strobridge? Those are usually the guys that you're going to look at in the three technique. But with Aaron Crawford being out, I think they might just throw out a different combination. So those two could be in the game at the same time. The thing about it is, is how healthy is Jalen Dalton? As most people know, he's been dealing with an injury so far in fall camp. So we kind of got to find that out. You know, with injury reports not being a requirement this year, it's, you know, it's not going to be easy to get a read on that before the game. That's going to be something, I guess, that we're going to just kind of have to go into the game and be looking for to see who's out there. So, um, yeah, I, I think right now, as you said, I think the injuries at first were really concerning to a lot of people. I think right now, at least heading into week one, once, you know, Malik Carney's suspension starts, we might have to reevaluate it. But I think, as of right now, people can take a little bit of a breather. It's not as bad as you maybe first thought it would be. So um, then, you know, I, I want to turn to the quarterback position as well. You know, Chad Surratt got suspended. Now Nathan Elliott's going to be the guy. I wanted to ask you, how big do you think it is that Nathan Elliott is going to be the guy and that the team is going to run with one quarterback instead of having to basically solve a quarterback battle in game like they more than likely would have been doing? I think it's pretty helpful because it's allowed Nathan here in fall camp, you know, to take probably a majority, if not all of those first team snaps and really settle in and gain some chemistry. I mean, he's, he's certainly a guy that the team obviously liked, as we saw at the end of last season. He's a guy that the team rallied around but he really needs to settle into that starting role. He really needs to gain chemistry with his wide receivers. He needs to be able to communicate with his offensive line. He needs to be able to work with his running backs. So just having a guy that's that you know is going to be your guy is so helpful. And is it most likely means that we're not going to have this sort of revolving door, like you mentioned, a quarterback right. that we've seen so often in the past. Um, and then you also look at comments that have been made by members of the staff, Larry Fedora, Keith Hackendorf, and um, and Nathan himself. And it, it seems that Nathan Elliott has made improvements in the areas that he saw last year that he needed to make improvements. It seems that he's throwing the ball better. He's gotten more comfortable kind of sitting in that pocket. Um, he's run a little bit more. So I, I think he'll be more of a um, – 
a more dynamic quarterback perhaps than we saw last season and then more dynamic than most fans think that he can be i think that it's a plus that we have this guy decided on yeah oh i i totally agree and you mentioned i mean this is probably the first time i would say since the sun bowl that we know for sure who our quarterback is going to be every snap of the game, barring the game getting into a blowout situation either way and mop-up duty guys coming in. That's so big, and you're right. These guys are going to know exactly who their quarterback is. The quarterback in the game, in this case Nathan Elliott, will know, look, if I make a mistake, there's not somebody right behind me that is standing there pretty much waiting for me to make a mistake so they can come into the game. That's not how it's going to work. And I think that's going to be huge for Nathan Elliott. I think it is going to give him at least some sense of being able to settle in. Like you said, playing three games last year is humongous for him. Um, and I, I mean, we all remember what we saw from him last year. He looked pretty good. He gave us a chance to win every game. I like his ability to, to me, he was the better running quarterback, I thought, of the two. I think he had more opportunities to run the football than Chad Surratt really did. But, you know, we thought Chad Surratt was going to be that guy that could use his legs. Nathan Elliott's that sneaky guy that, you know, can is that dual threat that nobody really realized. And at this point, you know, the thing that sticks out the most to me about him, just from the press conferences that I've seen, is, man, this dude just has that leadership-type mentality. Like, whenever I see him do an interview, that seems like a guy that these the, that people can look up to. That if you're on a team, that's a guy that I'm going to want to follow because he's there to, you know, put in the work. He's there to take this team to the next level. And I think that's potentially what he can do. Now, the thing about him is, you know, he does have to cut down on some of the turnovers. I think that's a little bit flawed, what people were seeing last year. They said, well, Chaz Surratt threw three interceptions in the, I don't even remember the actual number of games he played in because of the injury. I think it was seven at the end of it. Um, But Nathan Elliott threw five. And he only played in three games. Well, the difference is, is that Nathan Elliott threw three in his first career start against Miami. If you cut that number even down to one, that's only three interceptions. Yeah, you don't want to average one interception a game. But at the same time, I mean, you got you got to look at it. I mean, he started, oh, he started four games. That is right, because he did, yeah. So four games, comes out with a two and two record. And if we're being real, uh, he probably should have beaten Miami. Now, of course, he didn't start against Miami, but he played most of the way. So, I don't know. I I I think you kind of credit him with the start. Technically, it's kind of like baseball. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, but um, you know, you look at it. I mean, c- it, could you imagine if he had gotten a win over Miami, being three and one with a win over Miami? Um, I thought really up until late in the state game, he kept the team in the game. I thought late our, our run defense really just fell apart against them, and that's kind of what hurt us and and kind of made that game more of a blowout than it actually was. So, you know, I don't know. I, I trust him. I think that, you know, handing the keys to him in this offense is good, and I'm ready to see what he can do. I understand that he's not the playmaker that Mitch Trubisky is. He's not going to be this superstar guy that's going to be. He's probably not going to get drafted. But at this point, I thought going into fall camp, 
I, I was leaning Nathan Elliott because I think he's the safe guy. He's the guy that you know, okay, he's going to get us six, maybe seven wins. Chaz Surratt, I thought, was that guy that could get you nine wins, but he could also have you at four wins because his ceiling is high. The basement is is pretty low for him. So, um, you know that that that's kind of my opinion uh, at this point. I, I think you know it really it really doesn't matter. Nate's going to be our guy, and I think we're all ready to roll with him. So, um, that's really um, the biggest thing from the Tar Heel perspective. Let's do keys to the game for the Tar Heels. When you look at this game, what are your keys? Do you think to go on the road here and take this victory from Cal? I think the key for both um, UNC's, well, I guess to start out, I should say, the key for our defense is going to be in the back seven. It's going to be those linebackers and the secondary. Because you look at this Cal game last year, the quarterbacks and the wide receivers for Cal tore UNC apart. They had play after play after play. They had huge pass plays. I think their quarterback had a season high of like over 300 yards against UNC's defense last year. Right. So that that's how they're going to attack our defense yet again this year. I mean, people talk about UNC's defense not being as good against the run. In this game, how it's going to play out, I can guarantee you they're going to attack that exact same way. They're going to use slot receivers to try to eliminate the advantage of our linebackers, and they're going to try to take some, some uh, shots deep. So really it's – the key on defense is for kind of the back seven to step up and kind of lock down running backs and slot receivers kind of around the middle of the field and also to not allow them to take deep shots and to make tackles. I think that's going to be the key to stopping Cal's offense is to shut down uh, basically what they did best against us last year. And that's right. going to be a tall order, but that's that's really what Carolina is going to have to do defensively if they want to win this game. Offensively, I think it's just maintaining a balance. I think this is a Cal defense that, you know, is good or, or decent at least and was pretty decent last year. But what Carolina is going to need to do is establish itself on both the run and the pass. And I think that they have the ability to do that. Um, kind of to circle back to the quarterback discussion that you mentioned Mm -hmm. a minute ago, I think one of the biggest assets that Nathan Elliott has this year is that almost every position on the offense this year is going to be better than it was last year. I think wide receivers definitely going to be better. I think the offensive line is going to be better. I think Mm -hmm. running backs are going to be better with the addition of Antonio, Antonio Brown and Jordan Brown having another year and Javante Williams and Michael Carter having another year. And then I think the tight ends um, maybe aren't better per se. I mean, we love what we had in Brandon Fritz as a reliable guy, but right. you have guys like Carl Tucker and Jake Vargas that mm-hmm. add more of a pass-catching element, and you have a little bit more of that dynamic offense that Larry Fedora loves to run. So I think the biggest thing for Nathan Elliott specifically and the Tar Heel offense in general is just – to be balanced and to run the offense as it goes. I think if you run Larry Fedora's offense, don't take too many chances, but throw in enough stuff that you can get the Cal defense sort of off balance. UNC is going to score some points in this game. I think that last year was a little bit of an anomaly in terms of a Larry Fedora offense, and I think that UNC can kind of return to what we've expected, maybe not to the levels of 
2015 and 2016 with Marquise Williams and um, Mitch Trubisky, but we can see an offense that can be explosive and that can get chunk plays and that can go fast. And I think that's really just what the best thing that you can hope for for this offense in this game. Well, yeah, okay, I'm going to give you my keys, but really quickly, there's something that I agree with that I think a lot of people especially national media, is questioning. And I really like that you brought it up. I think that this offensive line is going to be better than last year. A lot of people will say, well, how is that? This team's not all that experienced on the offensive line. There is a pretty good amount of experience here, and I think the talent overall is better. I really like Charlie Heck at the right tackle. Love Charlie Heck out there. I think he's fantastic. Um, he's he's done a fantastic job. Now the leader, and, and I mean, people have to realize how much, how hard that, that kid's work. This is a guy that played tight end in high school and is now the starting offensive tackle and has probably grown into an NFL prospect and a guy that could potentially be an all-ACC offensive tackle. William Sweet on the other side comes back from the injury um, he'll be on the left side this year, which is, you know, it's a little bit reversed. So, you know, because Elliott is a left-handed quarterback, Heck will be protecting the blind side, and, uh, and and William Sweet will be protecting the left side. But William Sweet was a blind side tackle last year. A lot of people forget that, that early in the year, he was our starter there. I mean, that that's something that just kind of gets forgotten he got injured early in the year against Old Dominion, and that's what ended up ending his season. But, you know, I I, I really think that he's got what it takes to be I, – I, I think he's an NFL-type offensive lineman as well. So I think the offensive tackle positions are great. Um, Nick Polino's got a ton of experience at left guard. J.J. McCargo, from what we saw from him last year, um, he played a significant amount against Louisville. Um, as well as I believe it was Old Dominion that Cam Dillard was injured against as well. So, and both of those games, JJ McCargo looked pretty good. I mean, especially for a guy that was, you know, playing for the first time in his career. I, I think the talent level is definitely there. And then at the right guard position, you got Billy Ross, who was there last year, big frame guy. So I'm kind of intrigued to see what he can do at that position. But you've got the true freshman, William Barnes, who right now is right in the thick of that battle and could potentially be the starter there. I don't think it's going to matter because I think we're going to see both of those guys there. But, I mean, you look at the talent on this offensive line this year. I think, you know, there are a couple of guys that left that are going to hurt. Um, you know, I liked R.J. Prince at times, but I thought R.J. Prince was kind of hit and miss. There were times where he would play really well, and when he would struggle, he would really struggle. And the biggest thing about it was his discipline. At times, he would take these head-scratching penalties, these holdings, um, you know, false starts. I mean, I remember one game last year, he had two or three in the same game. So, I mean, you know, getting that out of there, you know, maybe it's it's a good thing to get that fresh start in. And I think this offensive line unit, at least so far in camp, has shown us that, that they're going to be a pretty solid unit. So I just I, I wanted to mention that. Um, I, I found it great that, that you mentioned it um, and got that out there because people need to realize that. Um, you know, when I turn to my keys to the game. I think, see, you know, you said about the secondary, the back seven, and I agree with that, but the thing that people have to realize about Cal is they can run the ball very well. Patrick Laird, who 
pretty much had the coming out party against us last year. He went on. This wasn't a one-time occurrence. This dude went on to run for over 1,000 yards. So he's a legit running back. The thing that I think this defense has to do that they didn't do last season against Cal, they have to limit the big plays. Overall, if you go back and watch that game, if you take out the big play touchdowns to Wharton and the long run by Patrick Laird, I really think they played pretty well. There was another deep pass that Corey Bell Jr. got beat on. Um, but at the same time, I, I mean, yeah, you're, you're probably going to let up one of those a game. But if you take out the other two, I really feel like they, that that team wins that game. And you kind of wonder what direction the season goes after that. But, you know, that's going to be the thing again this year. Take away those big plays because they're, they, they are going to try to go after them. That's the way that offense works. Now, the big thing is they don't have one of their most talented receivers in Demetrius uh, Robertson. He ended up transferring to Georgia, so he's not there anymore. Vic Wharton still is there, though, and he is slated to start at one of the receiver positions. You mentioned in the slot, um, he really didn't have much of an impact against us last year, but Kanawi Noah, this is a guy to watch out for because he was a guy that filled the stat sheet up. But that's the thing. Take away these big plays. Yeah, if they want to dump it down for a little, you know, five or six yard route, make the tackle. If they want to try to run the ball, you know, to the outside, make sure you get them down in the backfield. That's on the linebackers if the defensive line does their job to get to those edges and prevent those big runs. And for the most part, they did that last year. Just have to limit those big plays this year. On the offensive side of the ball, I really think what they've got to do, especially early on in the game, set the tempo by running the football. I don't care about the injury to Michael Carter. This backfield is still talented. Run the ball with Jordan Brown. Run the ball with Antonio Williams. Run the ball with Javante Williams if you need to, because what it's going to do as you go into the second quarter, as you get into the second half, it's going to open up that passing game, especially the deep passing game, which I think will be back this season. If you can open up that deep passing game and you're the one that is hitting these big plays instead of Cal hitting them on you, you've got the potential to go in there. And I don't know if it's upset. If it is, it's a mild upset to, to beat the Cal bears in their place and get off to what would be a fantastic start. I don't think anybody is expecting this team to go on the road and beat them by double digits or, you know, I, I don't think any Tar Heel van is going to call a touchdown or even a field goal victory. Uh, uh, something that's concerning. It, it's going to be a good start to the season, especially with some of the teams that we are going to face early in the year. So, um, yeah, no, I, I totally agree uh, with, with your points as well. I, I'm ready to see what this team's got, and uh, I, I'm ready to see how motivated these guys actually are. Cole Holcomb said today in the interview with the media, you know, we've got a, we've got a checklist of, of teams that we want to get revenge on because we were that close. We, we knew we could win the game, and, and we just didn't do it. You got to think Cal is definitely on that list. Absolutely, and one more quick thing I wanted to mention, one more key to this game, mm -hmm. um, because it was such a big deal with last game, is going to be penalties. Penalties have, right. were an issue for UNC, both offensively and defensively last year, so I would also like to add that. Yeah, um, oh yeah, no, into, yeah, discipline, a that's that a whole, game. yeah, that's a key to the whole season, is, is discipline. I, I don't remember 
the specific stats on it, but really the last two or three years is where it started to pick up. And before last year, I don't think people noticed it as much because of the success, especially of the offense. When the offense struggles a little bit, you've got to be cleaner on the offensive and defensive side of the ball penalties wise. And that's something that, you know, I don't know. We'll see if it gets cleaned up. I would imagine it does. Um, you know, the coaches have to realize that too, but yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's yeah. Great point. Great point. So, uh, you know, anything else we really want to mention here? Um, I think w uh, w one thing we'll do, um, you know, what, uh, I guess we can give our, do you want to do score predictions or are, are we, uh, maybe overstepping the boundaries there? Maybe we should just let the game play out. I think we can give quick score predictions and I'll go ahead and give mine. Okay. Um, this, this is one game, but just to, Go ahead and swirl what we're going to do with the rest of the podcast is we're going to do kind of a game by game season breakdown. And I'm right. going to give my opinion on this one right now. With this one, this is one of the games in Carolina's season that I see that could be the closest and one of the most difficult to predict because mm -hmm. of all the factors yes. leading to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've gone back and forth today on if they're going to win it or if they're going to lose it. Um, I think the big key for me is the loss of Aaron Crawford in the middle. Which is why, as of right now, I'm going to predict this as a loss. I know that um, Vegas has it predicted as uh, has Cal as a seven point favorite. I think that's probably about right based on all the factors that we've seen. And like I said, I don't think that the suspensions are as big of a deal, but I think that just all of the factors of not generally playing well in Power Five openers, having to go out there and not having. Um, Aaron Crawford, I think that those could lead to a close Cal win. I, I'm probably going to say 20, uh, 35, 32. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, because I am the host of this podcast and I, I don't, I, I don't want to necessarily pick against the team I'm covering. I will pick against the spread each week. That's what I'll do. So I look at it, you mentioned it, seven-point spread at this point. And again, you know, everybody knows how Vegas works. It's how much money you end up betting is where the line ends up. Um, I would imagine as of right now with how most of the people are seeing that game and the mindset around the game, that line will probably move further towards Cal. I could see that being a, a, an eight, eight-and-a-half-point favorite by game time. I'm still going to take the Tar Heels to cover that line um, for sure. I think this is a game that either way is is going to be – I that's kind of where I was in that field goal, maybe five-point differential. I, I just don't see either one of these teams being that much better than the other team. I, I think you said it earlier perfectly. These teams are very, very evenly matched, and people have to realize that. It's, it's not a bad thing either. Both of these teams, I think, are very solid, have a lot of upside. Um, you know, it's just, I, I it's it's a close one for sure. And uh, I think Tar Heel fans are going to be in for one of those days where there's going to be frustrating plays, but there's going to be exciting plays. And if they come out with the victory, you'll be feeling great. I think if you come out with a loss, though, I, I don't think anybody's going to be overly shocked. And I, I don't think that's going to ruin the confidence around what this team can potentially be later on in the season. Again, 
you mentioned it earlier, and it's it's so true. They have really, really struggled in Power 5 openers. It has not been great um, by any means. So, uh, you know, a loss in the opener is, is not the end of the world. We saw team lost the opener in 2015, came back and finished 11-3, and, uh, and, and they lost to a South Carolina team that was atrocious. So... You know, it, it really, it doesn't have the bearing on the season. This is the other thing. This is not going to be a perfectly clean uh, played game. It's not going to be clean. This is the first game of the year. There will be mistakes because this is the first time for college students, you know, for college players, you're hitting somebody in a different jersey. It's not like the NFL where you have preseason to iron out some of those kinks and be ready to go week one because you're facing different opponents. No, you're facing the same guys over and over again. You know, they've had the three scrimmages where it's the same guys. Finally, you're going to see different people on the other side of the ball. You're going to see a different offense on the other side of the ball. So it's going to be interesting for sure. But, uh, hey, Zach, yeah, this has been awesome, man. Thanks for coming on and previewing Cal. Uh, as Zach mentioned, how it's going to work. Basically, what we're going to do is we're going to come on. Um, we'll probably try to do it about midweek, so probably Tuesday night or Wednesday night, and we'll uh, we'll basically just come on review what happened in the previous week. Uh, you know, go over what we saw from the Tar Heels. Um, you know, whether and whether it's a win or a loss, just kind of break down what that means for the team going forward, and then turn towards the preview of the next week and do basically what we've done here tonight. So, uh, Zach, thank you uh, once again for joining us, and uh, fantastic stuff, man. All right, thanks for having me. All right, guys. So, uh, subscribe podcast on Spreaker, iTunes, Google Play, um, as well as Spotify, TuneIn app. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, definitely be doing this as the season goes along. Remember, tune into the game, uh, on Fox this Saturday. It's going to be a four o'clock or Tar Heel Sports Network, uh, Big City Charlotte. It's going to be, uh, 99.3 FM or, um, 1110 AM is going to be the station for uh, WBT. That's where the Tar Heels are on. In Chapel Hill, it's going to be 97.9 or uh, 103 uh, or 1360 AM, um, and that's going to be WCHL. And then in Raleigh, it's 106.1 WK. KT, who will have the coverage for you. So, as always, go Tar Heels. Ah!